This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back. We have come time for the next clue in our quiz this morning. We have all established that is that it is certainly not a who am I, as the quiz card says. Uh, it's more of a, a what am I or a where am I. So, Okay, but here's an extra clue. Yes. It could be a person's name. It, it could be. I know someone that's got this name. Absolutely. 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 Yep. It, I know someone with this name. Indeed. So, look, the the, the answer I've got on... So, it is more suitable to a what am I, the, although the, in the modern world you might find somebody who has this as their name. The answer I've got on the card, it is the full name of the whole thing, not just the the, the, the noun name, um, but the noun, the, yeah, it could yeah. be the name of the person. So, go with it. Go with a what am I. Go next with the what clue. Am I. I contained... This should, this should certainly give it away. I contained the tree of life... And the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay. So which place, what place had that in it? All right. So 1-800-324-843 is the number to call um, or text us on 0491-064-669. And, of course, as we remind you at this time of day, every day, don't forget this Saturday morning between 9.30 and 10.30 to tune in to Faith FM Radio where there will be small group Bible study with Matt Parra and myself uh, for your worship needs over the weekend, I know that you're, a lot of you are missing being able to have a small group Bible study as a part of your worship service, and so that's exactly what we are providing right here. And please do call up and be part of the show. Indeed. Our Bible study today takes us back to Luke chapter 24 and verse 27, bringing out one of the most important aspects of Bible interpretation that there is. If Yeah, I'd, I would say this is the most important aspect of understanding the Bible. Indeed. So Luke 24, verse 27, please, Liam. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Okay, so in this particular passage, we have Jesus who is walking on the road to Emmaus. Now, to give a little bit of background, he's just been resurrected from the dead. Uh, Mary has seen him alive and has given a report to the disciples that Jesus is alive. She has given that report to the disciples that are gathered together in the upper room. It has come to the end of the day and the disciples are not too sure whether they should believe what Mary said or not. Yeah. They're certainly They certainly know that the tomb is empty and that there have been you know appearances of angels who have said that Jesus has risen and they're super confused over this and they really shouldn't be super confused because Jesus told them in pretty plain language hey I'm going to rise from the dead but they weren't really listening they weren't really believing because of their preconceived ideas we've talked a little bit about uh, preconceived ideas and preconceptions and how they can flavor our attitude towards scripture but they have this preconceived idea that Jesus is going to be the you know the Jewish emperor, not a suffering, dying, sacrificing saviour. No. And so because of that, they're confused, they're gutted, they're heart-wrenched, they're um, in mourning, they are just discouraged, they have no idea what is going on. And so two of them decide to go home. And we've talked about it before. I think we worked out, what would it take, about three hours? You know, about, uh, thereabouts. Thereabouts. It's about a three-hour walk. Indeed. And as they're walking, Jesus turns up and supernaturally 
hides himself so that they can't actually recognize him and shares with them a Bible study on his Messiahship. Okay. Indeed. Keyword in this verse in my translation is repeated twice. It's at least there once in your translation, Liam. A uh, little three-letter word. What are we looking for? All. All. All about the scriptures. All the scriptures. And so let's uh, just do a quick run-through of this. And what we we have talked about this before, so what we're going to do is mention it again because it's important. But then we're going to look at some examples of how important it can be. Indeed. Okay, so Luke 24, verse 27, the Bible says that Jesus beginning at Moses and the prophets, expounds unto them all the scriptures, all the things concerning himself. And so he doesn't use, you know, like one verse here, one verse there, and say this is what the Messiah is all about and just move on from there. He begins at Moses. That's going to begin with the sacrificial system, the sacrifice of the lamb. He's going to take them on a journey through the sacrifice of the lamb and show them Everywhere in the Bible where the sacrifice of the land, the bullock, the goat, uh, the dove, whatever it might be, is a symbol of him. The whole sanctuary service is a symbol of Jesus. So he's taken them through the sanctuary service. Having gone through the sanctuary service, he's then going to go through the, New Te- through the Old Testament prophets and he's going to show them all the passages amongst the Old Testament prophecies that point to him and how they were fulfilled in his, in his birth, in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. And as he's giving this Bible study, their hearts are going to burn within them, the Bible says, with their enthusiasm for what they are hearing. And you can only imagine it would be the most epic Bible study to ever hear on one of my favorite subjects. You know, imagine hearing it from Jesus Christ himself. I would love to have been there. Okay, so when, of course, that comes to an end, uh, Jesus is about to share food with them and, and they Breaks recognize. He, he, he allows himself to be recognized and they don't even stop to eat. They run all the way back to Jerusalem and run into the upper room and they start telling the story of what has taken place. And while they're telling that story, Jesus turns up and says, Hey, I'm not a ghost. Um, I'm real. You know, you can touch me. You can feel me. Um, I'm kind of hungry because I haven't eaten all weekend. If you could. Share some food, that'd be great. This is one of my favorite sort of little passages of Scripture because people often ask, does God have a sense of humor? And I think this verse certainly highlights that. You know, Jesus just did this miraculous thing. And the first thing he talks about is is food. And I just... I just hungry. It, it's hilarious. Hasn't eaten for three days. You would be hungry. It's, and he walked three hours. It's, it's just, yeah, it, it amuses me. And yeah. All right, and it does show also that Jesus, even after his resurrection, remains a human. Indeed. You know, he could have gone back to being a divine being, and he's certainly taken back to him his divine power. Someone that doesn't need you know, physical food, yep. that is, is full That's of right. the, the, the food of life. But he's hungry. He needs food. All right, verse 44 and 45. Okay. Please, Liam. Of chapter 24. That's right. It says, let me just turn the page. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understanding the scriptures. Okay, so he's giving them a Bible study. That's what's taking place here. And notice here once again that the key word is all. So everything must be fulfilled. And this is really important when it comes to decoding Bible prophecy, for instance. 
the Bible in Bible prophecy speaks, you know, about a whole bunch of different subjects, particularly, you know, in Daniel and Revelation, you've got, you know, various beasts and, you know, various creatures. And to be able to identify those creatures is very, very important for us to be able to understand what the prophecy is all about. Yeah, in my in my translation that I just read, it didn't have the word all, but it had the word everything. Yeah, that's so, right. So not the whole quite lot. as small, but sort of a bit more powerful. So if you take one of the major themes from end-time prophecy as an example, let's think about the Antichrist. And in the Bible there are about... Oh, there are about, uh, I think there were, I think there was maybe 80-odd different identifying characteristics that the Bible gives in relationship to the Antichrist. Typically, you know, in a Bible study, we might deal with 10, 15 at the most. Indeed. And so what would happen if you had, say, 83 identifying characteristics of the Antichrist and you found an entity that fulfilled 82 of them? Yeah. That, that So how many were there in total again? 83. 83. And then so only 82 of them were fulfilled. Yes. What what was that one? The one that got away? I would feel like, I'd feel good, but a little bit incomplete. Okay. But have you found the Antichrist? No. 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 Because unless it is all of them, and yes. this is the whole point that this passage is making, is that it's all. All of the scriptures must be fulfilled. Indeed. Every single one of them. And that's why Jesus is thorough in his, in his Bible study because he doesn't leave out any of the messianic prophecies. Indeed. He goes through all of the messianic prophecies and shows how he fulfilled all of them. And, you know, mathematicians have looked into this. And I think the chances of, there's about 300 of those prophecies in the Old Testament. The chances of them being fulfilled in the lifespan of one person is around about. Um, the, the similar chances to filling New South Wales with $2 coins to about knee-deep, painting one of them red, throwing it into the middle, reaching out, you know, getting spun around a million times, thrown out of a plane, landing, shoving your hand down deep with a blindfold on and pulling out <laughs> that particular coin. That's about the, uh, the, the level of what we're dealing with here. So the chances, you know, Jesus is very, very clearly the Messiah and the Bible makes that super, super clear that that's who he is. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so what we need to do now is to look at how we actually apply this principle. Yes. And so we're going to, the, the, the Bible study takes us to a doctrine. Yes. And very, that doctrine uh, is very, what happens when you die. Indeed, that's a very interesting doctrine, a very powerful doctrine. And uh, yeah. Okay, so let's let's read a couple of verses that define for us what happens when you die. Um, let's probably consider. Uh, well, let's go to John. Let's go John. to John. Old mate John. Yes, let's go to John. John chapter five, verse twenty-eight and twenty-nine, where the Bible says this: "Marvel not at this." For the hour is coming, or don't be surprised at this, in which all that are in the graves will hear his voice and shall come forth those that have done good to the resurrection of life, those that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. Whereabouts does the Bible say that the dead are? In the ground. In the ground. In the graves. graves. And that they will come forth at a time in the future when they all come forth at the same time at the voice of Jesus. Indeed. 
Okay, so are the dead in heaven? No. No, the dead are not in heaven. We can uh, look at that very clearly. One other verse on this very quickly. We will go to Ecclesiastes, uh, probably one of the most famous verses, Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Let's just look at that just to give us a bit of a foundation. Ecclesiastes, where am I going? There's Proverbs, Ecclesiastes 9. Here we go. Verse. And we're going to read verse 5 and 6, and I'll read this one. It says, For the living know that they will die, but their dead do not know anything, neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred, their envy is now perished, neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. Verse 10, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you are going. So the Bible's super clear on that. Indeed. Um, and we could look at a multitude of verses that teach that. Yep. However, we find that the majority of Christianity today, in fact, the majority of religions today, in fact, we could say that almost universally today, that religion will tell you, you will not surely die. That, yeah. Who said that, by the way? Uh, the I remember in the book of Genesis, there is a story about a man and a woman in a garden where they attempted by a serpent. And he says, you will not surely die, and it's the most effective die. lies have ever told. Indeed. Okay, so let's now go over to the book of Luke again, where we were before, and we will read the story of the... Crucifixion of Jesus, Luke chapter 23, and this time um, we're going to read verse... 32? 42 and 43. 42 and 43, okay. So basically there's two other criminals on the cross, and this is sort of what unfolds. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This is one of the... One of the the, uh, robbers on the cross, one of the criminals. And Jesus replied, I assure you... Today you will be, sorry, I assure you, today you will be in paradise with me. Okay. Now this is interesting because that contradicts what we just read in Ecclesiastes. Indeed. Now I do have, I did, I must, I did correct myself because while I said the correct words, I did not have the correct uh, punctuation in my voice. All right. Let's think about this then. Because whenever I read these passages from Ecclesiastes or any other passage, there's a multitude of passages that speak about what happens when a person dies. Indeed. This is one of the verses that people first take me to. And they take me to the thief on the cross and they say, look, the Bible is clear that the thief on the cross went to be with Jesus in heaven the day that he died because he was a righteous man who received forgiveness and received grace, you know, deathbed experience, well, death on the cross experience, not exactly in a bed. Um, but he outlines that this is what happened that day. What does it say in your Bible? Uh, it, mine says in my Bible, truly I say unto you, today shall you be with me in paradise. So one th- I think... <sighs> This is this is probably where a lot of people because if if the because uh, I'll, I'll add in the punctuation okay so I assure you comma today you will be in, with me in paradise if the comma was after the word today then I think that would that would more cement what the rest of the Bible says because it, it's saying you know I'm telling you right well, now I'm telling you here today I'm telling I'm, I'm going to say to the I'm going to say this to you right now you are going to be with me in paradise. 
That's what it would be if, if, the, if the comma was after today. However, right here, Jesus has put the comma before the word today. So he says, I'm telling you, on this day you will be in heaven with me. Okay, but the question is, did Jesus put the comma there? Did Jesus put the word put the comma before the word today? That's a good question as well. If I, I've, I, um, I've got a lot of little uh, bips and bobs in my Bible, and uh, nothing. Is, it says nothing about that. Okay, the answer is that Jesus didn't put any commas in the Bible. Really? Yeah. Did they? Did Jesus? He was they, an educated man. They but, didn't have commas. But was he? Grammatically educated. Absolutely. Now, Jesus didn't obviously write this um, personally. This was written by Luke. Yes. Um, who was a doctor who was highly educated. But there's no punctuation in Old Testament Greek. There is, or sorry, New Testament Greek. There is no spaces between so, the words. And all words are written in all capital letters. Um, and there's no punctuation marks at all. So really, if they had an actual translation of that... There'd be no comma. The, the, there would be no comma. And, with and all, you would get to decide... And with all caps, it would be sort of... I assure you, today, you will be with me in paradise. Well, in modern, uh, in modern usage of all caps, that would be kind of how it would be. But the key here is that we have to then ask ourselves to translate this now into the English language. Where do we put the comma? And how do we know where the correct place to put it is? I don't, I, I, based on the rest of the Bible, I would put the comma after today. Yeah, and but, that's exactly how you define where the comma should be. So then why did they put it before today? Uh, because of the preconceived idea. Okay. Yeah. The majority of Christians believe that you go to heaven when you die, and so they work well on that preconception. And when you base it on that preconception, like, oh, the thief went to heaven that day. When there was an opportunity for them to help drive their own belief. Even though the Bible absolutely states that the thief didn't go there that day. I see. So let's look at where the Bible says the thief didn't go there that day. Okay. Let's go to the Gospel of John. John. Back to old mate John. Back to old mate John. John chapter... Oh, down near the end. Let's... Um, 19 19 verse uh, somewhere go. after verse 20, chapter 20 chapter 20 chapter 20 verse 17 verse 17 okay it says don't cling to me jesus said for i haven't yet ascended to the father but go find my brothers and tell them i am ascending to my father and your father to my god and your god jesus here is speaking to mary magdalene when does he give this statement after he is risen after he is risen and how does this statement tell us that the comma should be after the word today rather than the word bef- rather than before the word today because it says i have not yet ascended okay and but the thief could have the th- the thief could have yes but jesus died that's right so therefore if he had have died mm-hmm. he would have gone based on 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 the preconceived idea that when you die, you go straight to heaven. He would have gone to heaven when he died mm-hmm. and then come back. Okay, but then... So that, so that technically play the devil's advocate would be the second coming, his resurrection, according to what they are saying. Right. Whereas that would not run with what we believe about the second coming. There's, a, there's an even more powerful point here, and that is Jesus says, you will be with me. Indeed. And so the requirement that the Bible gives, if you're going to put the comma before the word today, is that both of them are going to be in heaven together. Yes. 
And then right here, Jesus is... He hasn't been there. He's not there. So they haven't been together. He's not there right and now. And this is three days later. So you would assume that the thief would, if he was there, he would be back with Jesus right now. Yep, absolutely. But he's not. Okay, so the Bible, the Bible plainly reveals uh, where the comma should be. The Bible should, according to um, the, the context that we receive from John chapter 20 and verse 17, the Bible should read, Assuredly, I say unto you today, you will be with me in paradise. Indeed. And when you move the comma to the other end of the word today, it simply reveals that the uh, the thief is going to be there with Jesus at some point, some undefined point in the future. Indeed. Which is exactly consistent with the rest of Scripture. This is Sandra Enterman with All of Me.
Welcome back, guys. You are listening to Sandra Enterman, all of me. And don't forget this Saturday morning between 9.30 and 10.30. Do tune in. Do join us for Small Group Interactive Bible Study. Matt Parra and myself right here for your uh, worship time experience on Faith FM. Let's have another clue for our quiz. Nobody's got the Not right quite yet. yet. All right. I so- thought someone would have got it from the last one. The last one was a dead giveaway. So one I thought I? so too. And if that one didn't give it away, then this one most certainly will. I am the place where Eve was tempted by a serpent. Whereabouts was she tempted by a serpent? 1-800-324-843. Do give us a call right now and the answer will be coming your way. The prize will be coming your the way. The prize will be coming your way. You will have the answer. The answer will be coming our way and the prize will be going your way. That's Indeed. how it works. Indeed. Okay, Second Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at this one uh, while we're talking about this subject of the dead. We're talking about the importance of taking the whole Bible rather than one verse on its own sort of here and there. Absolutely. And this is probably the other passage in the Bible that people will often quote to me in relationship to the fact that when you die, you go to heaven. Yep. Um, however, that is not what happens when you die. The Bible is crystal clear on it, and we could share a multitude of verses on it. You could start from Genesis and work your way all the way to Revelation, and you're going to find one or two verses that could be, if you had a preconceived idea, taken the other direction, but no verses. You know, there's there's 1,700 references to the word spirit and soul in the Bible. Yep. That's a lot of opportunities for you to be able to state that the spirit or the soul is immortal, wouldn't you say? I would, yes. And out of those 1,700 references, there's not a single solitary one that speaks about the immortality of the soul. Not one. So we've got an interesting passage here, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse, starting verse 1. Go for it. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. We'll just skip down to verse 6. Verse 6 is your... Uh, is, is is the verse typically what happens when people bring this passage up they don't read the context they just read verse 6 okay so verse 6 of chapter 5 so we are always confident even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies we are not at home with the lord okay and now verse 8 yes we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for th- then we will be at home with the lord Okay, so there you go. What are you going to do with that one, Liam? It's a good question. It's a curly one, That's, isn't it? It is indeed. It it it, it certainly helps and, and drives home what, uh, you know, for example, the the people of that don't believe this doctrine, the people that that well, sorry that do believe this part of the doctrine and, and focus on this and the fact that uh, believe and people that believe that when you die you go to heaven. It, okay, it helps their their side of the argument. It does if you don't read the context. Indeed. And if you don't read all of the Bible on this subject. It's really quite simple. If you begin in verse 1, for we know that in our earthly house or our earthly bodies of this tabernacle, we, if our earthly house, sorry, or our earthly body of this tabernacle was dissolved, we have a building or a body of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. So So Paul talks about two houses. Yes, Sorry, I butted in. No, I was just going to say that what I'm getting from that is that when we, you know when we die, we are, you know we're not made of metal. Well, I mean, not all of us. Some of us may have metal in our bodies for some whatever reason. But you know, uh, if you've had no reason to have metal put inside you, you'll decompose uh, into the ground and return to dust, which means that your your temple, which is your body, will no longer exist. And what it's saying here is that when Jesus comes, he will have a place for you to go. 
Is that what it's saying here? No, what it's saying is that he will have a new body for you. A new body for you. A new body for you. Which, yeah. Yep. Okay, so basically the, the, the Bible is talking about two bodies, an earthly body and a heavenly body. So does that mean that your, I guess, your, your quote-unquote soul will transfer from, or your, or your quote-unquote spirit will transfer from your earthly body to your heavenly body? What do you reckon? I don't know. I. What do you reckon the soul is? This. Uh, see, I. I uh, this is this is a tough one. This is a tough one. This is, this is a real tough one. For me, okay. This is my opinion. Okay. This is my opinion. I. I. I you go. You go ahead with your opinion, and I'll. And then I'll, show you, I'll show you what the Bible says. Absolutely. So I guess for me, I. I. I people do have a. a, a "Quote unquote spirit" in a sense, and what I mean by that is that you know when you're around someone, you, you get a certain "quote unquote" energy, and I put "quote unquote" because I don't want it to be misinterpreted for you know this person has a certain energy that's coming forth from them. It's it's more like this: you just you feel a certain way around this person because either you know this person, or for example, a smile. A, a smile gives off a certain "quote unquote" energy, and you you feel invigorated by a smile it just makes you happy for example and the the i guess for me the quote-unquote spirit i'm saying quote-unquote a lot and um, the quote-unquote spirit of you is then it 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 when you die it isn't separated from you it sort of dies with you or 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 and you know in terms of the bible and it goes to sleep with you and then I guess with this, I would say, yes, it does transfer. Okay, let me give you a Bible definition for what the spirit is and a Bible definition for what the soul is. I'm also that. using uh, the word spirit because that's sort of modern culture. That's how it's interpreted. Um, so not necessarily what it says from the scripture. That's you know based. That's why there was a lot of quote-unquotes. Okay, so here's your definition for what a soul is. It's in Genesis chapter 2 and verse... Seven, where the Bible says the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Yep. Breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Yeah. And man became a living soul. Indeed. Okay, so you've got pretty much a mathematical equation right here. God creates a body from dust. He adds the breath of life. Those two things together are a living soul. So you don't have a soul in you. No, but yeah, that's why I was putting the quote unquote because it's, it's 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 a very... Interesting word to do. When, when you're around certain people, do you feel different ways about yourself? Do, sure. Do you feel, and that's, that's what I mean. That, that's sort of the, the quote unquote energy and the slash quote unquote spirit. Okay. All right. Let's talk about what the spirit is and let's go over to the book of Job. And this time, where are we going? Job, 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 Job. Job 27 and verse 3. So this time we'll talk about what the spirit is. Okay. So we're not talking about the soul anymore. Nope. Talk about the spirit. Uh, the Bible says, and, and this one's going to answer the question as to whereabouts within you, you will find the human spirit. Okay. Okay. The Bible says, all the while my breath is in me and the spirit of God is in my nostrils. So whereabouts within you is the human spirit. The nose. In your nose. <laughs> That's right. So does that mean you have a ghost in your nose? Sometimes it feels like it, <laughs> uh, but no. No, there's no ghost in your nose. And so the biblical definition for a soul is a living person. Yes. Uh, it's not something that floats around inside of you. It's not an essence or anything like that. It's a person. That's why the Bible says that eight souls were saved on the ark. It wasn't eight essences. It wasn't eight 
spirits. Ghosts, it wasn't eight ghosts, anything like that. It was just eight people. Yes. Um, so a living person, according to the Bible, is a soul. Uh, you won't find anywhere in the Bible where you have you know disembodied souls floating around. That just doesn't exist in Scripture. Yeah. Uh, then uh, the spirit, and a lot of people confuse these two together and and come to the conclusion that the spirit and the soul are actually the same thing. They're not. They're totally separate, totally different things according to the Bible. The spirit is the breath that the Bible describes as being in your nose or the breath of life. So it's the gift of life. Now, neither of these are something that transfers from one body to another. You are just resurrected with a new and perfect body, which is good news. Praise God. And that's what the Bible is talking about. We would rather be in our resurrected body than be in the body that we have right now. And that, because particularly in that resurrected body, we will be with Jesus. This is Sarah Gracie, Ashes and Sand.
Our team here at Faith FM want to encourage you to share God's love with those around you, to stay positive and to stay connected in this virus season. Check on your neighbours, especially elderly neighbours, as they may be unable to visit the shops or see family due to quarantines. A phone call, a note under the door offering support or a letter in the mailbox is the best way to make contact with our older folk and vulnerable people who may be self-isolating. Little things like this make a huge difference to someone who might be struggling to get by. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Are drugs or alcohol a problem in your life? Alcohol Drugs Assist, or ADA, is a 12-step recovery program designed to help you escape the hold of addictions in a friendly and judgment-free environment. ADA meets regularly, and if you'd like to attend, give Peter a call or text on 0487 907 879. That's 0487 907 879. Men of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruin sinners to reclaim. That was Anthem Lights with the Hallelujah Medley. We've come time for 
question of the day. And our question of the day today comes straight out of the end of our Bible study. Somebody does wants it to indeed. know what, what was that question again? Why does the Bible say that the Spirit goes back to God? Okay, so this is a really important question. In fact, that comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 12, if you are wondering, uh, where the Bible says in verse 7, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, so that's your body, and the Spirit shall return to God who gave it. Now, if the Spirit is simply the breath of life that is in your nose, why is it? that the Spirit goes back to God who gave it. A lot of people in that particular verse will just assume that the Spirit is a ghost that is somewhere inside of you, that is your essence, that it is your personality, that it is who you are, and that it goes back to God who gave it in the first place and that it lives there in heaven as a conscious entity until the second coming when it's reunited with the body. Well, first of all, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever at all. If it is preferable to be in a body rather than a ghost form, why would God persecute you for all that time by leaving you in ghost form without a body? Um, However, this is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that at creation. So we've got to think of how humans are made in the first place. God formed man out of the dust of the ground. So there's your dust. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That's the spirit because we noted that the spirit is the breath of life. Okay, so that's how man is created. Death then is going to be the opposite of that. The spirit or the breath of life is taken away and the human dies. And we can read about that in Psalms chapter 104 where it says in verse uh, 29, you hide your face, they are troubled. You take away their breath, they return to the dust. They die and return to the dust. Okay, so you've got body plus breath equals a soul. Take away the breath of life, the body returns to dust, and that's it. You don't have a living soul any longer. Then in the next verse, that was verse 29, verse 30, It then talks about resurrection. You send forth your spirit, the breath of life, they are are created, and you renew the face of the earth. And so very, very simply, what you've got is this. God has the breath of life. God can take the breath of life. God can give the breath of life. And when we die, God takes the breath of life. When we're resurrected, he gives it back again. The important point here is that there is absolutely no indication anywhere in the scripture that the breath of life that God takes back to heaven to be with him has any consciousness whatsoever at all. In fact, the Bible goes to great lengths to say that no, it has no consciousness um, in any way, shape or form. In fact, if you go back uh, to the beginning of Psalms, there's some passages here. Let me just see if I can find these real quick. Uh, some, some, some. It's such a long book. Flick, flick, flick through the pages. And now I can't see the exact psalm that I was looking for. I know it's here on the first page. But there are a multitude of psalms where the Bible talks about in heaven, we will not praise God. We will not worship God. We will not give thankfulness. Um, and, you know, we will have no thoughts, no wisdom. We won't be doing anything Um When a person is dead, I should say, not in heaven, but when a person is dead. Now, in heaven, those are all things that we are going to do. I don't know about you, Liam, but the very first thing I want to do when I get to heaven is to praise God. Oh, certainly. I want to say thank you to Jesus and to the Father for their sacrifice. Without a doubt. I want to get an understanding and meet with the Holy Spirit. You know, 
wrap my head around it, you know, who the Holy Spirit is as a person. Uh, I want to then, you know, go and do things. The Bible talks about building houses and planting gardens and doing real things. Heaven is not a place where you float around on a cloud playing a harp and eating raspberry tarts. You know, I'd get sick of that in about the first five minutes. It would uh, keep Liam occupied for, yeah, probably, you know, maybe a few years because he loves playing music. I do indeed. Not my thing. Um, and so... You've been building all day long. Yes! You're speaking <laughs> my language. I'm going to go building. Liam's going to join a, uh, a band. band up there in heaven and we're all going to be enjoying ourselves. And then you know what? When we get bored of that, we'll probably swap. Probably. Probably swap. Try something new. That's what it's going to be like. And yet the Bible says that a dead person doesn't do any of those things until after the resurrection. This is Carly Fletcher with Let There Be. When God looked on eternity, He saw you and He saw me and He said, it's worth the risk to have you in my life. What I want to obtain is worth my sacrifice. So let there be, let there be light. He desires all to be saved, all to know the truth.
That's why he said, he said, it was worth it all for you. That was Carly Fletcher with Let There Be. This is the breakfast show, and we've come to the end of the show, which is super sad for us. It is indeed. We had a. We need to find out what's coming up we, after this. We uh, had someone answer our quiz, though. Uh, Tim from from Newcastle, right here in Newcastle, answered correctly. Our very uh, strange quiz for this morning of uh, it was the answer of the Garden of Eden. So congratulations to Tim. Uh, we'll be sending that prize away from you. But if you would like a free gift right now. All you need to do is call us. Give us a call at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can send us a text at 0491-064-669. And our free prize giveaway for the, uh, this morning is The Desire of Ages by Ellen White. That's a fantastic book. In fact, we were talking about some of the chapters out of that book just a, a moment ago during the break. And so super glad that... Liam is offering that book as a free giveaway. And, of course, do stay tuned once the program is over because we have Grolly coming on. How good. Lloyd Grolliman, the Aussie pastor. Very good. I love it. We're allowed to call him Grolly on air. I think we are. We just did. It's too late. (laughs) Grolly's going to be on. He's going to be amazing. He always is. And so do stay tuned for that. And, of course, don't forget that uh, we encourage you to study your Bible. We have – I was just down at the Discovery Centre the other day. They have a bunch of new Bible study courses there, and we can connect you with the Discovery Centre where you can do these while you are in isolation. What a great thing to do. Don't forget, as always, talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you're going to grow strong in Jesus Christ today.
Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11, verse 1. You're listening to Faith FM. Glory of the Lord, the glory. 